from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Ebony Ericker, and we're back with Steve Mickle. Hey, good to be here again. All right, so week four of prayer. Teach us to pray. And yeah. kind of the the one that people are waiting to get to. When yeah, I get the to one that, the one that we always start with. <laughs> it's, taking, right. it's taking us a while to get there. That's true. How how long a sermon series do you usually like? What's comfortable for you? You know, it's not to say you're not gonna do longer ones or shorter ones. Psalms was fourteen weeks, this one's seven, right? Six. Six. And that's kind of the sweet spot for me is the is six weeks. Um, I've, I start getting kind of a little bit bored and ready to move on. I think the church might as well. We did a eight-week series once. That's felt a little long. Okay. And then three is, three is the, you know, is a little short, I guess. But Three does feel short. It yeah. feels like you just kind of got started into a subject. But, yeah, then when you hit five, six, you know, I've always been curious about how you guys feel about that or approach that. Was topic. the series before, was it Guardians before this? Guardians was like a two-parter. Yeah. Okay. Three parts, and then Hole was three. And those were just kind of like easing into the fall, you know, mm-hmm. but the, and then summer was, I don't know, 13 weeks with Psalms. Yeah. Does does the series matter more for us putting together services or for the people tracking with us? I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, I think it... I think it's good for the people because it it um, it gives them an opportunity to focus in on one topic or or passage of scripture and really dig into that, you know. And I like when we do blue because then people can get in groups, have more conversation around that. Whereas you're, if you're doing a two or three week thing, then there's hardly any time for that. Right. By the time, even with the blue series, which we're in now, which is our kind of small group focused um, six part series, I've heard quite a few people trying to join groups right now. Now that we're heading to the tail end of the series, so they're going to catch yeah. like two weeks maybe of the group before I've it ends. Of, I've, I've heard a lot of people in blue groups uh, keep meeting, you know, not mm-hmm. not in a formal way, but you know, they you get attached to somebody in the group and you kind of keep going with it. And so it's been a really great strategy for us to do small groups because six weeks is doable for everybody, whereas a lifetime, which is what, what small groups right. used to be, <laughs> yeah, is is like I don't want to do that, you know. Yeah. And so the six weeks twice a year, uh, and also with our journal that we do almost every time, uh, it's because become a resource for other churches. They are, you know, uh, people are picking them up, using them, uh, not just in Bend and at Westside. So that's cool. And for people that don't know, the, the Blue Group series is a really intentional, usually around six weeks that we do here at Westside twice a year. Uh, we create our own journal here in-house at Westside Church, and then we're intentional about getting involved in small groups, people starting up small groups maybe for the first time. But you're right, it's only six weeks. So I can say, I'm going to start this group. I might hate it, so I can yeah. bail in six weeks. Yeah. And or, it's almost you know, always, yeah, out. it's almost always a scripture based too. So that's kind of cool for people to you know pull out your Bibles and yeah. actually learn a little bit more about scripture. So is it exciting for you to finally get into petition? Give us this day our daily bread. We've talked a lot about kind of how we are dressing God and the nature of God in the middle of all that, and now we're kind of finally getting to the part, as you said where we like to start all the time. Yeah, you know, I think there's a tension for me, Ben, because um, I think Jesus wants us to hang out in the first three parts longer than we usually do. Um, and so petition, I think I, I, it's necessary. We need to bring our requests to God. But um, I think most most of my problems are are just different when I spend time with my father, connecting with him, adoring him, submitting to him. And then my prayers change, you know? So I think I think he wants us to spend more time in the first three than the last three, <laughs> yeah. per se, but that's just me. I'm wondering, too, and maybe you've gotten into this for the study, but 
looking just at the prayers of Jesus outside of the Lord's Prayer, how much um, of his prayers that are recorded are given to each of the elements that are found in the Lord's Prayer? How much time does he spend in, you know, Well, that would be an intriguing study. I don't think I've done that. But as I think about it, not much with petition um, other than, I mean, the Garden of Gethsemane was a pretty petitionary prayer, you know, where, you know, take this cup from me. But then he goes back to the the last week where what you preached on, Evan, but not my will, your will. And so forgiveness, he spends a ton of time talking about forgiveness, um, which we're talking about next weekend. That would be an interesting study to kind of see how it plays out in his life. What what does he say at the tomb of Lazarus where he says, I'm praying this for their sake, the people listening. I don't remember. Exactly yeah, that, that, so that he'll be glorified. It yeah. was almost like he's doing this um, so that, and people are listening to him pray to his father so they know who he is, hmm. where he's from. Of course, that's not why we pray. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pray so everybody hears and knows that I, I, know. have, <laughs> I have a relationship well, with God. In the middle of this, it has presented for me this picture of people, you know, every time maybe Jesus would go to, maybe he prayed over a meal or something, you know, that everybody would be like, what's he doing? How did he, write that down, write that down. You know what How I would do? It, that? Every time Jesus prayed at a meal, I'd look at my cup of water. I'd just see, oh, oh dang it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he only did it once. Was that the bread prayer or was that the wine prayer? Which one was that? <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure it's annoying enough being the celebrity where you don't have anonymity walking around. Can you imagine being a celebrity and the son of God, all that pressure know, just right? to walk around? <laughs> Seriously, he was feeling that. How about you, Evan? You preached, uh, you actually preached this weekend out in Sisters and it was the same service. Yeah, same message. Petition. Mm-hmm. What was one of the big things that jumped out for you in the middle of all this? I think the biggest thing, and I used Steve notes Steve's notes to start with and then kind of added to them. Um, But what stuck out to me was the responsibility in both parties. Petition is just as important for us to pray it as it is for God to hear it. Mm. And that really jumped out at me that it's, and and neither is the most important. I don't think when we look at it, like it is equally important that we pray it and that God hears it. Why is it important that God hears it? Well, I think it's, well, why, I guess it, it moves him. I mean, I think there's something that we can see in Scripture that causes God to move. Um, he already knows what we need. He already knows what the world needs. But there's something about um, if the people who are living in this sphere are saying, God, we need you, that causes him to act. Um, and I, I, don't, I guess I'm not sure exactly why he does that, but he does seem to wait until we, until we initiate um, that. And, and some people would say that our prayers don't move. God, that they're more therapeutic for us. Even that quote by Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. I used to think prayer changed things. Uh, now I know prayer changes me and I right. change things or whatever. I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. that concept of really, it's just, it's just for us. I don't, I don't see that. Yeah, I, don't I think it's both. I think it, it's for us, but it also has an effect. And this is, to me, what's so powerful about what Jesus modeled is that our prayers actually do change things. I mean, think about that, that God actually changes things on our behalf. Wow. Yeah. You know? I mean, Moses Moses and God's relationship is a really great example of this. There's often where Moses is coming to God to ch- try to change his mind. Um, and I just think there's something there's something powerful in that, that God gives us permission to come to him with those things and, and heavens move. And I, I think there is a little bit of the potential for there to be kind of a sticking point in that. And I think these two can coexist. And I think we're communicating that uh, as, as well as we can, because it's a difficult theological concept. This is a big concept that uh, on one hand, we're saying that prayer changes us and then we can change things. And we're saying that God will respond to their prayer because we spent a lot of time mm-hmm. even just talking about how our father are in heaven. And, and we're saying, yeah, when we say these prayers, it changes the perspective on our lives, which changes how we see the world, which changes how we act in the world. And so some people might come away thinking, oh, okay, yeah, prayer does just change me. But it's pretty profound to say that that God is listening. 
he's, he's doing the, you know, even, even you guys were talking about Lazarus and, and when Mary came and, and, and talked to Jesus said, look, you're the one that you love is dead. And he wept. Yeah. The idea that God who knew he was going to go and heal him anyway, yeah. would respond in such a way to even weep with those who are petitioning him is pretty amazing. Yeah. And this is kind of difficult, even preaching it today. Uh, cause I'm looking around a room and I'm thinking, you know, I'm preaching this message that God hears and responds and that we have the ear of God. But I know looking across the room, there's people who have been praying for things for a long, long time, years maybe yeah. with no answer. And yeah. so it's not, it's not an easy thing no, to preach. Like, yeah. What are the doubts in here? Evan, you've preached twice in this sermon series. And of course, Steve, yeah, you preached. I mean, what are some of the doubts in all this? Like you wonder, I mean, I think for me, it's like coming back to what Evan shared last weekend. Um, I don't want to, I want to get more and more. I'm not good at this. You know, I, I pray my petitionary prayers are always what's right in front of me, what's going on in my life, my friend, my family's life, my city's life, the world's life. And those are the prayers right immediately. But what if I spent more time um, praying that God's will be done? Mm-hmm. What What is his will? You know, spending more time thinking about those things. I Then I think my prayers are actually will be more effective because they'll change based on my connection with him and listening. Oh, okay, God, you're, this is what you're for. You're, you're actually for equality. So why don't I pray more about that? Yeah. You know, that kind of idea. But I think you're right. I've been looking out in the crowd. It's like, man, I just, you know, God has an answer prayer. I think about Paul and the thorn in the flesh. I mentioned that this morning as well in our in our service. Where, I mean, Paul prayed, God, take this, whatever that thorn was in his, you know, in his mm-hmm. life, take this from me. And God responded, No, this is it's better for you that you have this, that you carry this. You know, that was his answer. It it wasn't the answer Paul wanted, but it was the answer. And so that's that's tough stuff. Mm. You know, here's a big theological question for you guys. All right, did Jesus ever pray a prayer when the answer was no? So did he ever pray something and God was like, no. Yeah, take this cup. Yeah, take this cup is the only thing that I can think of. Yeah. And that was his most desperate moment. I I don't know if there was any others. And you have to believe that Jesus in that moment was like, he could do this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I I don't think that that Jesus would have just thrown it out there for the sake of somebody recording it and so that we could see him in this moment of, you know, quote unquote weakness. I think he really believed that there was potentially another way. You know that he was petitioning to God, and and that's a is a deep theological question. That, that is interesting after that because we just talked about how some prayers he was doing for the sake of those listening. You don't get that sense in the garden. In right. the garden, he however, feels really alone. However, it was recorded. I don't know if he yeah. relayed it later or if John was sneaking up in the bushes. I don't know how it worked, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you don't get the sense that Jesus is doing anything except right. pouring out his anguish and his heart before right. the Father. You know. And and that and those are the prayers that I think God listens to. He listens to all of our prayers, but there's something really powerful in that moment where God's talking to God. You know, God in the flesh is talking to God in the spirit, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, He's like, man. And I think that identification that Jesus went through with our pain and with our suffering um, causes me to want to pray more about my own needs, about the needs of people around me, because he gets it. He understands. Um, Isaiah says that he's acquainted with our grief, you know? And so he knows what we, he really knows what we need before we ask it because he's lived it. Does that happen in our prayer lives? If we don't get our prayer answered, if God comes back with that, no, um, is, is there, and I don't know if there's an exact answer to this either. Is there a comfort that God you some, has the tendency to bring in the middle of those moments, kind of like a, you're hot, you're you're crying, and God's going, no, it's not going to happen, and He comes up and embraces you in the same moment. You know, it's kind of like Jesus wept over the death of death of Lazarus. But have you guys ever experienced that maybe in your own personal lives when you feel like you've brought a petition, God said no, but you felt a comfort in that? 
Hmm, that's never easy for me, Ben. It's kind of a specific no. <laughs> I mean, to hear a no, it's never, it's never good, right? You never like a no. You never right. like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do it the way you want me to. I'll do it a different way. Those aren't, you know, even kids. As we're kids, we don't like that. You know, yeah. I asked for this, and you gave me that, and but I wanted that, this other thing, you know. And so it's, I think there's always tension in that in terms of my relationship with God. It's like, but then I go back to. The former prayer, you know, and I think that's important for me is not my will, not my, I don't, I really don't want my way. Um, I mean, I do, <laughs> you know, that's the tension of last weekend, but I don't. And you, in your notes, I don't know if you actually preached it today or not, but in your notes, you talked about the two times that the disciples got caught in storms. They cry out both times and the response is different. Once Jesus stands yeah. up and he calms the storm, the next he makes them really suffer through it, scared for their lives, but he comes to them in the middle of it. And I don't know. Um, in retrospect, what's more impressive? Well, it's probably the one where he walked on the water. I mean, that's the one you you tell around the campfire, right? right. Like, you guys check this out. <laughs> yeah. But in the moment, uh, much more frightening. Yeah. Because uh, that's probably... What about the guy many, still many on the events. boat? Like, yeah. have you ever thought about that? It's, he's, it's still going on. It doesn't say the storm stops. He calls uh, Peter right. out. Everybody yeah. gets to watch. <laughs> what if the other disciples like... Peter, we need you on the boat, dude. I don't know what you're doing, but we're about to capsize, and you're just going to walk out, and here we are. Jesus, this is not the time. Yeah. Let's do the talking to the storm thing right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they certainly wanted that as a response, and they were probably expecting that to happen right away, not for their, their, you know, guy to get out of the boat. Yeah. Very interesting. I think with, with, when it comes to like the different ways that God answers prayer, for me, it's, it's coming back to trusting. Do I trust God with my whole life? Do I, Mm. do I trust him? Is he a good father or is he an evil one? I mean, you kind of have to figure that one out, Mm. um, before you really have a a trusting relationship with God. And that speaks to this concept of daily bread, uh, that the provision isn't present until we need it. You know, it's not days or weeks in advance. And so, um, Sometimes we ask, I think, and the answer doesn't come until maybe the last second, you know, when we feel like it's long past due for God to respond and he hasn't. Uh, Maybe it's that moment of, of, do you really trust? I mean, you know, coming out of the wire. I think, Evan, too, you got to, I mean, we we live in such a comfort-driven society, you know, like, I mean, we got to feel comfortable and our needs being met. But I mean, you look at, you know, third world countries, you look at even the early church, um, so many of them were persecuted. Where was God in the persecution? Right. I mean, you just, these are questions that it's like, okay, well, again, Jesus in the garden. I don't want my way. I want God's way, and that might not be mean. I, I get everything I want the way I want it, in the time I want it. One of the interesting things that's developed culturally, uh, and I've seen this happen on social media primarily, but. Um, something happens, a big natural disaster, a big problem, a shooting in Las Vegas, you know, everything that happened in Puerto Rico and and Houston uh, with the big natural disasters. People will take to social media, important people, celebrities, politicians, pastors, whatever, and say, man, we love Las Vegas, praying for the families of the victims, praying for those who are involved, um, you know, praying for the people in Houston. And there's become this wave of backlash that now happens against those people that says, forget your prayers. Who cares? Like, thanks for the good vibes. We don't need prayers right now. We need X. We need uh, something else. And and what, 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 do you, what would he say to those people who, who would come up and say, forget you Christians. All your response is to pray in this time of need? Like, that's not helping. What do we say to those people? For me, it's a both end. And it's, it's, I'm not going to stop praying because I believe in the power of it. 
Um, and when I, you know, when I pray for God to comfort someone, I believe that the Holy Spirit, who is, you know, his name means comforter, is, is doing his work. So why would I not pray that? I mean, that's a deeper soul need that um, people in Vegas need. They need the comfort that only one person I know can provide that deep, satisfying comfort. But then also I think the body needs to respond, you know. Um, and, you know, when, when Jesus fed the 5,000 with two loaves, Two, five loaves of bread and two fishes. There was plenty of leftover. They shared, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, it was actually ended up being a, a humanitarian effort, that miracle. And so why not? Why not let our lives be both, um, spiritual in terms of, of prayer and, and practical? And after the Vegas shooting, I actually saw someone critiquing a politician who said, you know, I'm sending my prayers or whatever. And their point was, you have a job to do. Um, as a politician to work on policy, leave praying to, you know, priests and clergy and all this stuff. Yeah. And actually, not that I agree, because I think uh, politicians should be praying too, <laughs> if they're, <laughs> if they're believers or whatever, you know, but uh, this concept of, um, I think inside that there is an expectation of people that us in the church should pray and we should, you know, uh, have a voice in saying, Hey, we're standing with you. And I think there is an expectation. Yeah. That politicians do their job, but also that we in the church do our job. And, uh, and I think people get that, that we, and not just us, but for sure us, for sure the church should be speaking up, uh, when tragedy happens and lending what we have to offer, which is, you know, Peter and John in the temple. I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I offer, you know, in the name of Jesus and, and it's ministry that we really, that's, that's what we have. Yeah. You know, the, the phrase, there's no atheist in foxholes, a sense in which, you know, in midst of tragedy, um, let God come in into the situation. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people's reaction against faith and prayers in those moments is because, um, we haven't really been doing a great job representing, the love of Jesus, you know, and I think sure. they're like, well, I don't want any of that kind of religion, you know. And so I think if we can change that narrative, I think people will be way more apt um, to receive anything that we offer from prayers to to bread to yeah. hope. You and know? It, it is, there's a little bit to, to redeem a little bit of what they're saying against the people who are praying. Um, I don't mind to some extent the, the persecution, so to speak on social media, which isn't really much persecution at all. Um, but it, it serves to me as a reminder is, is prayer an excuse to sit around and watch everybody else do stuff? Or is prayer the beginning of the journey to go ahead and, and to begin to fight for this thing and to help other people and to help humanity? Because I do think it's true that, you know, we're not just meant to go, oh man, praying for you, you know, we'll see you later. I think that's not only true over social media and with natural disasters or horrible things that happen in other parts of the world. I think it's true even in the, even in the realm of our church. I don't want to look at somebody that I've met in the hallway who tells me their experience and I just go, well, gosh, well, I'll pray for you. Um, if you can go get coffee as fast as you can before I have to get involved in this, you know, yeah. it'll be accountable. When I, I think of like, even in the Middle Ages, like you have these monks in Europe and they're the spiritual center of a lot of communities, but they're also rebuilding Europe. You know, they're also, um, you know, inventing technology and writing books mm-hmm. and they're, they're rebuilding the economic everything of what would become, you know, modern Western civilization. And so I think there's, there's these two sides of it. Like we should be praying and we should also be like an engine in our community for health and success and flourishing, you know? Absolutely. I mean, prayer is, 
is a starting point. I think you said that Ben to a life of compassion and empathy. And, you know, Jesus said, you know, the law said an eye for an eye. I say, pray for your enemies, love your enemies. I mean, there's something about that, that you, you just, your heart gets changed when you spend some time praying for the people in Vegas and the people that have gone through the natural disasters Mm -hmm. this year and your heart is moved. Uh, to do something more than just than just pray, but I would say I would never say just pray because mm-hmm. there's it's more than I mean Absolutely. it's not a just it's like this is important stuff and and I do believe that heavens are moved as a result mm-hmm. of our prayers. Yeah, and think about where we would be um, even as much as the church might get criticized for not doing enough. Think about where our society would be without you know centuries of. Uh, Catholic hospitals and <laughs> yeah. schools and yeah. missions that, that really um, brought health. And I think, man, could we fill that spot again? Maybe there's not as much need now. Maybe that's the deal. Uh, and not that we should, yeah, every church should go start a hospital. But you know what I'm saying? Like that we could be right. a necessary and helpful part at the center of our communities. I don't know. Yeah. And I think where does that begin, Evan, is finding out what God's will is. And how can we participate in that? You know, what is what is his intention for our city and for our world? And let's live into that um, and make, you know, if his, if his heart is to make our world a better place to live, to, you know, for there to be prosperous people all over the world, well, let's help make that happen. Yeah. One of the things that you brought out today, Steve, was this idea of, uh, as you talked about our daily bread, our father knows what we need and and Jesus talks about that in the in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount with don't worry about your life. You know, you, you look at the flowers of the field and all of these things. They don't worry. They don't spin. They don't. Um, where does worry fit in, kind of with prayer, or does it fit in? Is it a vessel for worry so that we can kind of cast all of our cares on Jesus, or is this a place where we're just supposed to be able to come and not worry, but instead petition the Father? Uh, it, I mean, Jesus trust. said, "Cast all your cares on me." You know, I mean, there, I think you're right. There's something about that that space with our father in heaven to cast our concerns there but i kind of think he wants us to leave them there i don't think he wants us to walk away um carrying more or the same um maybe there's different ones he has different burdens they're probably not ours right that he asks us <laughs> to carry after we come out of our prayer time but yeah i think if, i think for me it's like i got to i got to leave these with with the with the god who's got my world in his hands and this world in his hands cuz worry will rip rips so much out of somebody's life, joy, peace. I mean, it just rips, rips us off. And, uh, and I don't think Jesus wants us to live there. I don't think, I think planning is is important. I don't think we should never think about the future. Um, you know, but, um, I think there's a, there's a balance there that we have to be careful of, especially as Americans. And I've seen this with, um, kind of younger generation in youth ministry, um, kids that are so overwhelmed specifically by anxiety, Um, Mm -hmm. and maybe it's always been there, but it kind of seems like a trend, you know, where there's just, um, I know we had a student years ago and so overwhelmed by anxiety, uh, that it would start at about five o'clock at night where she would start worrying about, um, school the next day. Really? And she would back it up to where, well, I'm, I'm worried I won't finish dinner soon enough. So I won't get to bed soon enough. So I won't wake up. And, and it was just like this overwhelming sense of anxiety about everything. And no matter what the worst case scenario could have played out, the anxiety was far worse in her life. And uh, I don't know, you know, outside of prayer, how to come, you know, combat this. Yeah, that's true. You think about some of the things that that's a perfect example. I hadn't thought about it this way. Some of the things that seem to, like they can only be addressed by prayer. 
So we want to talk about natural disasters where we, you know, we need to send people and whatever, and all that's great. There are some things that we face where we have to have prayer in our pocket because it's the only thing that can penetrate whatever we're facing right then. Yeah, I mean, there is a piece that we don't experience that we can only, I think, receive um, in the presence of the peacemaker, of the one, I mean, the one who faced death and, you know, looked it right in the eyes and said, you know, not my will, but yours, God, and 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 got up out of the garden and walked with a sense of peace, mm-hmm. um, even though he knew what he was facing. I do have to tell you that you brought up the the example of um, you were talking about there was an eagle outside of your yeah outside of your office. It was amazing. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this, Evan. But, I thought, yeah, I heard it. Oh my yeah. gosh, this yeah. thing was huge. Yeah. So the sad part about this, and this is where it was funny yes. with, with our little group, because we have, um, you know, some of us on staff have kids that we bring in every week to, for just a few hours to hang out at the church while we work. Um, and they all came out one day and they found that bunny and they were like, oh, it's cute. Like one of them named him. I think Spencer's kid Ezra oh, no. named him and all this oh, stuff. No. And so we're sitting in your service today and you say this eagle nailed this bunny right outside my office. We all went, oh, oh no. He had a, he <laughs> had a name. It got Jimmy. Joel wasn't in here. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. I mean, that's horrible. But no, he provides. This is great. They had the named, not named bunnies though, just nameless. Oh, you guys, it was so epic. I mean, it was amazing, you know, a sight, but I did feel bad for that, that little bunny rabbit. You know, hey, God provides. That's true. You had developed a little relationship with it, right? I didn't name it, though. I feel kind of, those poor kids. It's like telling a kid that a Santa Claus doesn't exist. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Only more visceral. (laughs) See their bunny carried off in the talons of an eagle. We should probably do a whole episode on Santa Claus, how to present that to our children, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what to do. So I have a three-year-old, and I don't know what to so do. So don't tell your kids, though. There was little fluffy, you know, little hairs still. Oh, no! <laughs> in the grass outside. That was probably a great day for that eagle. <laughs> it's like, score. <laughs> All right, so last couple minutes. Most trivial thing that you guys find yourself praying for? Most trivial. Like, why do I even pray for this? But you keep doing it. Any time of year? Yeah. Um, parking spots. Sports games. Sports athletics. <laughs> and sports games. Timbers. Praying for the Timbers. Pray for the Seahawks, you guys. We're doing this recording right now on a Sunday afternoon. They just won this epic. Did you battle. watch that? Game? Yes. Okay, never mind. Sorry, Saw the this game. is going to go too far. Yeah. yeah so I'm I, praying. <laughs> I'm praying for that stuff. I and I and I'm like, ah, oh, does God really care? Probably not. Christmas time, it's parking spots for me, and it's like hardcore. Like I pull into a mall area, and I'm like. God, I need you right now. So bad. <laughs> and I never find one. I always have to park so far away. These people that get these front spots just leave them there. Well, it's funny when season. you do find a parking spot, you thank him for it. Like, like he actually was involved. Yeah, thank you, thank Jesus. you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> really? Does he care? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I prayed for a vehicle to move out of my way once. And as soon as I thought the prayer, it was going up Sandy and Pass, tire blue. Had to pull over. On you? It was you? amazing. It was this RV. No, oh, it was an RV in front of me. <laughs> and I'm like, God, just, I just want to get around this guy. Oh. Immediately, like, like explosive uh, tire blowout. I was like, wow. <laughs> I thought you were on the other guy. This like is his tire blew and you were like, thank you, Jesus. Jeez. Yeah, no, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. I hope Evan's ever behind me. I know. Yeah, watch out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've got authority, man. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you'd speak with authority. What does the Bible say? There's blessing and cursing in our tongue. There's, a, there's probably yeah, more power than I, we actually did think. Did I curse the guy that already? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is there more cursing than blessing sometimes? Yeah, <laughs> Maybe we should do a spring football. Yes. yes Halloween yes. special on this podcast all about cursing people. 
Mm. That sounds great. That's dark. I'm in. A little too dark. That's dark. Who can we get in? Who on staff is dark enough for that episode? (laughs) I don't know. Pastor Pastor Bo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for the conversation today. We'll be back next week as we get close to the end of Teach Us to Pray. Check us out at westsidechurch.org. 